You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this Wednesday morning, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. What up, Jake? Hey now, what's up? <laughs> That's gonna be my new thing. I, I don't like it at all. Oh, well, I'm gonna keep it. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. It's the Stuart Shelby text slash hotline. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. Star-studded list of guests once again on this Wednesday morning. But we got a number of headlines to go through. Where would you like to start, Jake Martin? Ooh, uh, let's start with some college baseball. All right. I'll let you take it. Uh, I think the biggest headline from the last night would be the fact, of course, Louisiana Tech once again scoring off against the Cajuns at J.C. Love Field. The Dogs went into this game just ripping the cover off the ball. Uh, scoring 10 or more runs in five straight games. They put a whooping on the Cajuns last week down there, 15-2. to two. So you're thinking, large crowd, and once again, you have to like Tech's chances at the plate, and then you have David Leal on the mound. But it did not turn out that way last night. In front of a two crowd of 2,138, Louisiana Tech out hit by the Cajuns 11-7, to seven, and David Leal, he's human. Yeah, baseball's a funny game. I've heard that before. Yeah, it's, uh, the cliche is accurate. You know, uh, Leal didn't help his case last night with a couple of errors early. And come to find out, yes, he is human. Uh, those mistakes dug him in a, in a hole and just wasn't able to really come out of it. Uh, they end up losing that ball game 9-4, to four, snapped that uh, five-game win, uh, winning streak. In fact, Tech has had now had three separate five-game winning streaks uh, this year, but is unable to get to six. Take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, Leal takes the loss, tosses uh, five innings of work, allows five runs, two earned on six hits, did not walk a batter, strikes out five, but a costly error in the first and another one uh, later on. Uh, kind of put him off on a, a bad Got him off to a rough start, and the dogs never recovered as they lose by five. They now go to Western Kentucky this weekend. Yes, and ULM also was not able to pull out the victory, although this one was a little more dramatic. Uh, Actually led McNeese going into the ninth inning, and McNeese was able to tie it up uh, thanks to an error that that helped and then scored four runs in the top of the 11th to beat The ULM Warhawks last night. Uh, they snapped a 21-game home run drought when they, uh, I'm speaking of the Cowboys, when uh, Shane Selman blasted a home run in the eighth inning, a solo shot to get them back into that ball game and, of course, break that home run drought. Yeah, and they out-hit ULM 15-6 to in that game. So ULM's bats weren't exactly clicking in that game. And, of course, Coach Federico will join us for his weekly visit later in the show. Uh, Robert Scott Faust hasn't seen a lot of playing time for West Monroe, uh, for uh, ULM this year, <laughs> the former Aaron's ace West Monroe standout. But uh, he was impressive in working three innings and giving and then striking out five. Kind of kept him in the ball game early on. Yeah, certainly good to see. Uh, how about Grambling? They put a major whooping on Elkhorn State last night, 15-2. to two. The biggest storyline in this one is the Tigers improved to 22-19 and 19 overall. 
Rafael Ramirez drives in six runs, hits a pair of home runs, including a grand slam to highlight a 10-run sixth-inning Tigers on the road with a nice win. And then, of course, the other Tigers, the LSU Tigers, trying to get out of the funk that they are in. They get a nice performance on the mound and at the plate by several players. Yeah, A.J. Lavis uh, threw his first complete game. And actually, this was the first complete game thrown by an LSU pitcher sent to Alex Lang. Uh, so that was certainly good to see. They won that game 8 to nothing against Lamar last night. But the big thing was Josh Smith's return. Finally came back. I think he missed like 38 games this year. Finally came back and came back in a big way. Was two for three with the home run. Hmm. And also Jake Slaughter uh, pinch hit for him later on in the game and had a, a, a double. So uh, that was good to see. It was good to see Smith kind of provide that spark. And I believe Paul Maneri said something to the effect of, you know, it's amazing what one guy can do for a lineup. And uh, you, hopefully he, he he's the <clears throat> spark this lineup has been needing because, quite frankly, it's been bad uh, past four games. So maybe he can give them that spark. First round of high school ba- baseball playoffs are complete. Several games uh, yesterday. We start in 4A, the defending state champs, the Neville Tigers. They had to sweat it out. It certainly was not a thing of beauty. But Neville does escape, and they do move on with a 6-5 to five victory. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, and uh, Coach Paul Carrera will be the first person to tell you that. Uh, he, he was pretty – he wasn't very pleased after the game. But, as you said, still, it's a, it's a big win, and uh, it's, it's step one in the quest of repeating. And you did have two bright spots in this game. Cole Clary came in in relief, and this guy, you know, we saw him on the big stage last year in the state tournament. When the pressure's high, man, this is the guy I want on the mound because he goes out there just with ease and throws three scoreless innings to to really finish off that ball game. And then Andrew Cagle, who missed the prior six weeks with an injury, he came back. This was a second game back, and uh, he was three for three last night and was very smooth at short. And bringing him back at shortstop allowed Neville to move uh, Michael Haynes to center field, and he had a tremendous diving catch in the seventh inning. So. You know, I wouldn't count out the Neville Tigers. I know their record isn't gaudy, and I know that, you know, this has been kind of a bumpy year, but we've seen this team turn it on in the playoffs just one short year ago, and it looks like they're going to be able to do the same this year. Other scores from the first round of the postseason. How about Franklin Parrish in the 4A bracket, the number 26 seed? They go on the road, and they score 14 runs. They are moving on. Union uh, season comes to an end for the Farmers. They fall 11-1 to to LaRanger. Uh, keep an eye on Winfield. They are the number six seed. They win 13 to nothing against East Beauregard. And uh, Mangum season comes to an end. The Dragons fall as the number 26 seed to Doyle, 12 to 1. I'm sure I missed one or two other scores. If I did, please hit us up at 888-993-7762. Staying in the high school ranks, uh, congratulations to the Neville's girls tennis team. They are state champs. State championships continue out at Forsyth and ULM. Smaller classifications, I think, get underway tomorrow. Washita had a great event out there yesterday afternoon. Five basketball players from Washita signing on the dotted line, uh, featured by uh, Willie LaPoole. And, Jake, we have certainly watched this kid grow up in front of our eyes. He will play for Southeastern next year. Yes, we have. Um, and he had a tremendous year last year. I think he averaged like 17 points, close to 10 rebounds. So he was fantastic in his senior year. But he signed with Southeastern. Uh, Kendarius Wallace signed with Louisiana College. And Chris Murphy also signed with Louisiana College. And then on the girls' side, 
Deja Walker signed with uh, Baton Rouge Community College, and Michaela Etienne signed with Panola Junior College. Congratulations to them. Jay Head was out there, the former Washtenaw Lion, to have taken the festivities. Of course, he had one year under his belt at uh, a junior college. Now he is heading to Grambling. It is good to talk to uh, Jay, and he is certainly excited about the opportunities with the G-Men. We do have some other college basketball news and notes. Uh, Louisiana Tech men basketball looking for a new assistant coach. Uh, Tony Skin has been with Eric Conco for a long time. I mean, it goes back to when Conco was an assistant coach at George Mason, and Skin was a, a player on that squad. Well, he is now heading to Seton Hall, and Alora Sharp, uh, Lady Texter's assistant coach, has landed the job as the head coach at Presbyterian College. She came from a Southern Miss to the Lady Texters a couple of years ago. And LSU had a bit of a surprise when Tremont Waters entered his name into the NBA draft. Now, he didn't hire an agent, so he has until May 30th to withdraw and still be eligible uh, for LSU next year. But it's still surprising that he entered his name into the pool. I did see the list and the number, and it is staggering. Uh, 236 have registered their name to go into the draft early. Yeah, they want to see, you know, this is a, a free evaluation. You know, get your name out there, see what the NBA prospects are telling you. From what I've read, and, I, and you know, Cody Warshman, we've had him on several times. In his article about it, he he had a, he quoted a source saying that uh, he's hearing that the NBA wants him to take one more year to kind of polish some things. So it's likely Waters will be back, but still interesting that he entered his name. How's this news going to play out down in Baton Rouge? Uh, Lady Tigers' leading scorer from last year, Chloe Jackson, averaging 18 points per game. She has graduated. She still has a year of eligibility left, and she has decided that she will move over to Baylor and Kim Mulkey. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah, of all people, Kim Mulkey and, and Baylor. And comes in and steals your best player. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, in case you missed it, this was a cool story. Alexis Belton, uh, former West Monroe standout, uh, competing in a long drive competition. It was called Clash in the Canyon last night, uh, an opportunity to uh, – advance on to the world championships in long drive competitions only her second long drive competition ever and she goes out and wins it to advance to the finals she drove it 334 yards hmm. then in the finals 332 yards pretty sweet uh, jonathan coachman was doing the play-by-play -play, and i had to remind jake who the coach was <laughs> i forgot how far see what happens when you take him off espn yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, also, the and Richie says Caldwell uh, defeated Church Point. In case you missed it, I did miss it. I apologize. Six to two. And uh, Ty says I might max out the credit card, but I really, really want to go to the Warriors versus Pelicans. And Quint asked, "When did the Pels play again?" I Saturday, saw I Saturday. Yeah, they haven't announced the time yet. I don't think, but they will play Saturday. Um, so, if you didn't know, the Warriors won last night to advance. And uh, also the Sixers won as well last night, and they advanced over the Heat. Uh, Golden State 99-91 uh, over the Spurs, as Jake said. Uh, Philadelphia 104-91 over Miami. And we got a great series with Milwaukee and Boston. Boston wins that one 92-87. They now lead that series three games to two. Yes, and our Astros update, Aaron. Mm-hmm. They lost last night, 8-7 to seven to Otani and the Angels. Otani's 101 miles per hour fastball and the Angels. I saw Otani had eight pitches last night over 100 miles per hour. Four of them 
went 101 miles per hour. To put that into perspective, he had eight last night. According to ESPN stats and information, there have been only nine guys in Major League Baseball this year to have pitches over 100 miles per hour. Or there's been nine pitches over 100 miles per hour. There probably a couple guys probably had that. But uh, just nine overall, and then last night he has eight. Yeah, and also um, it's not much of an Astros update. That was all Otani. Well, I, I'm not done. Oh, okay. Trout hit a, hit his tenth home run to add to the Angels, but uh, yeah, Otani gave up. He didn't do great last night. He gave up four and runs on six hits and five walks, and uh, George Springer was three for five. There you go for your Astros update. Mm. Can't get comprehensive like that coverage like that anywhere. You just can't. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Patriots. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. All right, how about this lineup for today from 247 Sports? Sonny Ship will join us in the next segment. We'll talk a little uh, LSU football and, of course, recruiting inside this state. Sonny is all over. At 730, Dr. Saul Graves joins us for the doctor's segment. At uh, 8 o'clock, Michael Federico for his weekly visit. ULM's head baseball coach. And then at 8.30, we'll talk a little high school baseball, correct? With Coach Paul Guerrero off of his big win last night. And for Top 10 Thursday tomorrow, we have it already determined, correct? Yes, we're going to do our mock draft. So we just guess, just like everybody else. Yeah, well, it's our, we'll, uh, we'll take from our sources, a.k.a. the Internet. Uh, shameless plug to start tomorrow's show right off the top. Thomas Morstead, the Saints punter, will join us tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Heck yeah. Should be good. Hey, speaking of Otani, we never did mention Kevin Gossman's immaculate inning. Nine pitches, three strikeouts. Come on, man. Nice. Got to show the former LSU Tiger some love. Uh, Quint also wants to talk about a former LSU Tiger, even though he's just there for, like, four months. Has an NBA player improved more from college than Ben Simmons? I can't answer that off the top of my head. But I don't – Ben – it just didn't really try the teams in college. You know what I mean? Like, he had the talent. It was clear. He just, you know, we questioned his uh, tenacity, the way he played down well, the stretch. Well, his heart. Yeah, because I didn't think he was a closer. I didn't think he had that killer instinct, and you see it in the NBA. So, obviously, he didn't like it. 888-993-7762. We're off and running on the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. The all-new Yard Power of Monroe, Northeast Louisiana's only Cub Cadet dealer. Your Cub Cadet Superstore is holding a big open house this Saturday where you can save 15% on all Cub Cadet Pro Z mowers. That could mean up to $1,800 in savings. Big discounts on a great selection, even red tag special deals on closeout inventory. So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane. West Monroe Hearing Healthcare. We solve hearing problems. 
problems. If you've got hearing problems, chances are we can solve them. We want to get you back to life and living again with family and friends. Better hearing, better living is waiting here for you. West Monroe Hearing Healthcare. We solve hearing problems. Is everything sounding distant? Our parts of conversations missing. We want to make it perfectly clear so you can begin living again. Better hearing, hearing, better living is waiting here for you. West Monroe Hearing Healthcare. West Monroe Hearing Healthcare. We solve hearing problems. Good morning, Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. We always love talking college football and recruiting. It doesn't matter what month of the year. And there's no better guy to talk about that with. And from 247 Sports, Sonny Ship. He joins us from the Stuart Shelby Hotline on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Sonny, how are you doing this morning, bud? Good. How's it going, guys? Good. A lot of different topics we want to touch base with uh, with you on. Uh, let's start, of course, with LSU spring game. Uh, nice crowd on hand. Everybody's excited to see uh, LSU's offense with Steve Ensminger calling the shots. What were your biggest takeaways from the offensive side of the ball? Well, I thought that for the first time, uh, you know, going back several years, that, you know, from last mile, even under Ed Orgeron, that, you know, the theme was we're going to open it up, we're going to open it up. And Tiger fans were left wondering, okay, when, when are they supposed to open it up? You know, every year it was, uh, it was almost like an empty promise. And I think for the first time you could really see some signs that LSU is going to open it up this year. Um, I thought the receivers, uh, you know, you saw the receivers run a, a, wide array, a wider array of routes than they have in the past. Uh, you saw a lot more shotgun, a lot more RPOs, and, and really just for, you know, to have 30 to 35% of the offense in, I think Tiger fans, uh, you know, they have to be excited about, uh, you know, about the uh, potential scheme that they're going to show in 2018. Saw a stat where uh, 75 of the offensive snaps, they were in shotgun for formation 40 times out of the 75 is that just them trying to work out some new wrinkles or do you think this could carry on into the fall i think it's going to carry on and i think it's going to have to carry on you know while it was good to see that i think one thing became evident and and that was you know you could see that lsu does not have the running back core that it has traditionally had going back to Mm. going back to jeremy hill to leonard fournette to darius geist uh, you know, I don't think LSU has that bell cow they can turn around, they can give the ball to 20 to 22 times a game and expect him to get 100, you know, to 100, 140, 150 yards a game. And so with that, uh, you know, I think this offense is going to have to, uh, is going to have to be uh, passed pass to set up the run as opposed to what it's been in the past. And, and to do that, you know, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to utilize one of the strengths of the, of the team, which I think is the wide receiver core. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of that's going to fall on the on the quarterback's ability to get the ball to the receivers, the offensive line's ability to, uh, you know, to block, 
And once, you know, if all of that can come together, then I, I think LSU's offense, you know, while it may not have a dynamic quarterback, I, I think LSU's offense can be, uh, you know, I think it can, uh, it can move the ball and it can put up some points once everyone starts to uh, gel. All right, Sonny, let's talk about that quarterback battle. Obviously, everybody just thinks Brennan, Narcisse, and then the afterthought was uh, Justin McMillan. But obviously, he is now a competitor and has a, a shot at this job. Yeah, you know, I think so, and I, and I think one of the big reasons is that, you know, you have two very different quarterbacks in Miles Brennan and Lowell Narcisse. They came in in the same class, uh, recruiting class. Uh, you know, Brennan is your pocket passer, um, you know, a, a big, accurate arm. Lowell Narcisse, on the other hand, he's a dual threat. You know, he's got a strong arm, doesn't have the best accuracy. And Justin McMillan is, is sort of an in-between. He's a... Uh, you know he he's a he's a dual threat, but he can also he can also throw the ball. And I think the you know I, I think the biggest thing that keeps just that that has Justin McMillan in that uh, in that quarterback race is his experience at LSU. His experience he's going into his uh, he's going into his fourth year at LSU. He'll be a redshirt junior this year, and then also that you know while they're all learning a new offense. He has that maturity factor. He has that maturity edge. You know, he's got an edge right there. And I think when you lump all of that in there together, that that is really the you know the things that that sort of puts him. While he may not have the the physical skills of a Miles Brennan or Lowell Narcisse, the experience and the mental edge that he seems to have right now, he just seemed to have a he seemed to have a little bit more uh, control of the offense. He seemed to have a little more poise back there. He seemed to to make decisions a little bit quicker than the other guys, and that could change over the next uh, over the next four months. You know, a lot of the work is going to be put in over the summer at seven on seven uh, when they do their seven on seven work. Obviously, fall camp they're going to have twice. You know, they'll have twice as many practices as they were able to have in the spring for the fall. So uh, you know, so so I think the other guys have a chance to uh, you know have a chance to quote unquote catch up if Justin McMillan does have that edge. But I don't I don't I don't think this battle is gonna be settled before the season starts. And I, I could honestly see this battle going uh, you know, three, four, maybe five games into the season and all three quarterbacks play have played at that point. Sonny, on the opposite side of the ball, the cornerback position is something that we've all kind of kept our eyes on. If the season started tomorrow, who do you think would start opposite of Greedy Williams? Well, I'll tell you what. That was one of that was one of the biggest. That was one of the brightest spots uh, for me that I got from the spring game, and that was the play of the play of uh, sophomore cornerback John Trey Kirkland. You know, we're talking about a guy who led uh, Lutcher High School to, uh, to to a state championship, to multiple state championship games. He played quarterback in high school. That's all he played. So when he got to, you know, he he's been on campus now for let's see if he got if he got there in June, yeah, about nine or ten months, say. And for a court, for a guy who has been playing cornerback for nine or ten months to to look as good as he looked, you know, he made that play on Drake Davis on that deep ball to where he got his hand in there late at just the right time, and and, and you know, and, and some people have said, oh yeah, but that was luck. Well, if it was luck, it was very good luck, <laughs> you know. And so I think that I, I feel a lot better about the cornerback position 
with the play of John Trey Kirkland opposite the Greedy Williams, provided they can stay healthy, especially when you consider you still have two cornerbacks that aren't on campus yet, and Terrence Alexander, the Stanford graduate transfer, and Kelvin Joseph, the uh, the four-star safety from the uh, from the 2018 class. So, I think John Trey Kirkland, uh, you know, I think that he's the uh, you know he he's the uh, the leader in the clubhouse going into summer and fall camp. Kerry Vincent is, uh, you know, he's right there with him. But I tell you what, I, I just really liked what I saw from John Terry Kirkland in that spring game. If former Neville standout uh, Rashard Lawrence remains healthy this year, how big of a year could he have? Oh man, I, I, I tell you what, to me, to me, the biggest thing that the biggest thing that I got, you know, and granted it's a spring game, so so I I, I tend to. I tend to uh, to downplay stats. I tend to downplay, you know, some of the things that you see in the box score, and I like to look for to look for, uh, you know, to see how, to see how guys to see their demeanor, to see how quick they're playing and things like that. And I think Rashard Lawrence, I saw a little bit of a mean streak. I saw a little bit of a nasty streak in, in just, uh, you know, some some of the pushing of the offensive lineman, you know, when he jumped off sides. You could tell how mad he was, and he still took a little shot with the offensive lineman. And I love to see that because y'all know from Rashard Lawrence's days up there, up at Neville, that, uh, you know, he's one of the biggest but nicest guys out there on the field. And, and so you want to see him develop that mean streak. And I think you're starting to see that. You're starting to see that with more confidence. You're starting to see him, uh, you know, he he's starting to look like a junior now, and I think he and Braden Fajoko that they could be one of the best defensive end tandems in the SEC. Utah sent a healthy Ed Alexander. I loved what I saw from Glenn Logan at nose tackle. I think he's a he's a better fit there than he is uh, playing defensive end. I thought Neil Farrell uh, did really well, the, the former three-star defensive end. He's going into his sophomore season. He was thrown into the fire last year. I thought he played well in that game. And I think you're really starting to see that, you know, Ed Orgeron set out a goal to – to replenish the depth in the trenches, and I think you're starting to see that that with uh, you know with this defense right here that they're going to be very strong in the front seven. Sonny Ship from Two Four Seven Sports joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Sonny, we see all these predictions and projections now coming out, and actually Ed, Ed Orgeron has been asked about it a couple times now. Some are thinking this could be even a, a seven or perhaps even a six-win season for LSU. Can you see where those predictions are coming from? You know, there's so many people to replace on the offensive side of the ball. The schedule is so brutal. For me right now, it all boils down, you know, a lot of it boils down to Miami. Um, You know, you get Miami right out of the gates. If LSU comes out, I think even even with an offense that's still finding itself, that if the defense can come out and play as dominant as uh, as it looks like it can play, then I think I think LSU can beat Miami. And if it beats Miami, then I think they'll get off on the right foot. If it loses to Miami, I think you're going to start hearing uh, you know you're going to start hearing a lot of negativity. You're going to start hearing a lot of people say, "Well, here comes the first losing season for LSU since 1999," and that could put a lot of pressure on on, on some young kids. And so, you know, I'm still I'm still in that boat to where I could see this team going. I could see this team going nine and three, and then I could also see, you know, if they lose to Miami, you know, I could potentially see it a five or six win season just because that schedule is so brutal, and you never know how a young team is going to bounce back, and also how 
how Ed Orgeron is going to handle, you know, we saw how he handled it last year. He handled it well last year. They lost to Mississippi State. They lost to Troy. They turned it around. They went on that winning streak. You know, is he able to do that again, having, you know, having another 11 or 12 games to play after an opening season loss? You know, does he all of a sudden put the clamps down? Does he get involved in the offense? I think all of those are factors that you have to watch and that you have to wait to see. And that's why, you know, I think a lot of that's going to hinge on, on the outcome of that Miami game. Your predictions in high school recruiting are always pointing on, I believe last year, the sunny ship uh, crystal ball nailed 23 of the 28. This year in high school recruiting, it's not a banner year in Northeast Louisiana, but overall, pretty strong. Uh, it's top heavy. You know, it's yeah. top heavy when you look at. You've got the number one defensive tackle in the country, Ishmael Sopcher out of Amy. Uh, he's got a teammate, four-star uh, wide receiver Devonta Lee. You've got John Emery, one of the top. I want to. I want to say he's a top six running back nationally um, at Destrehan. You know, you have Trey Palmer over at Kentwood. You've got some highly rated guys. I don't think it is it is as as strong in the middle part. You know, where you start hitting that four star to high three star uh, high three star range. But you know, it's a it's a good class. It's a good class. It's not the it's not the type of class when you look at it from top to bottom that um, you know that you saw in, in 2014. Uh, for instance, when you had you know Leonard Fournette. Uh, Speedy Noyle, Cam Robinson, you had all of those guys. But but I think it's a good class because, you know, and where that benefits LSU at is if LSU is able to get that those upper echelon guys, those those guys that are rated near the top of the uh you know, near the top of their position ranks in the country, then, you know, I could see LSU building that quote unquote championship class that Ed Orgeron uh, you know, that, that he's really pitching to these recruits. But, you know, it, it's going to be key to, uh, you know, you look at Ishmael Fopscher, for instance, number two player overall in the country in the 24-7 sports composite. You know, you're, down, you're looking at an LSU-Alabama battle, Texas A&M also in there too. And in the past, when LSU and Alabama have gone head-to-head for those, you know, for those top, those very top recruits like that, we saw it with Cam Robinson, you saw it with Federian Mathis, uh, Devonta Smith out of Amy. You know, Alabama has had some uh, has had some good success, and you know, Ed Orgeron has got to find a way to keep those upper echelon guys at home. You know, you 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 can lose you can lose some four star guys as long as you. As long as you go into other states and you replace them with players of equal or or better caliber, but when you start talking about the guys that you know that everybody's talking about, you know your five star prospects, those are the guys that that Ed Orgeron has to beat Alabama for to start to change that. Um, you know, I, I guess that stereotype that might be out there. Now, of course, winning on the field is going to help with that tremendously, and I think that's going to go hand in hand with their ability, you know, to fend off Alabama for some of those recruits. Great stuff, Sonny. We certainly want more. Where can listeners find you at? Hey, come check us out at lsu.247sports.com, or you can go to go247.com. That's G-E-A-U-X-247.com. We've got the seven-day free trial going. You can even shoot me an email at lascouting at yahoo.com. If you sign up for the seven-day free trial, you decide you need a little more time to stick around, just hit me up, and I'll help you out, give you some more time. And I think once you come check us out, you'll, uh, you'll like what you see. As always, appreciate the time, bud. Thank you.
Anytime, guys. Y'all have a great day. Uh, this Cardell Thomas kid from Southern Lab, six foot four, three hundred fifty pounds, a commitment to, to LSU offensive lineman. He just looks like a beast. Uh, Ray Parker for two four seven Sports, a kid from Ruston, is projected as the eighth best prospect in the state. As I said, it's not going to be exactly a great year for Northeast Louisiana. You go down the list a little bit farther inside the state. I think you have to go all the way down to 48 with that Dalvin Hutchinson from West Monroe to find two athletes in the top 50 in the state, according to 247 Sports. Yeah, also, uh, it, all classes are going to look inferior to that 2014 class, if we're being honest. Let's take a time out. Coming up next, Dr. Saul Graves joins us on the morning drive. If you have a question or a comment for him, hit us up at 888-993-7762. Brad Parker and his wife, Leah, opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana, on July 12, 2010, and has made Iron Cactus into a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 Desired Street, in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus fajitas? eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they are now serving your favorite margaritas, wine, and ice-cold beer in downtown Monroe. 428 Desired Street, Monroe, and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun. The way you purchase a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whenever you want, at RonnieWardToyotaOfRuston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit RonnieWardToyotaOfRuston.com. Drive your dream, live to drive. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sideline, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. Listen up, folks. At Greg Tillys in Bossier City, we have five new triple wides in stock. Come help us celebrate our 40th anniversary and save thousands. On a manufactured home, we'd love to take it on trade, and we will give you top dollar. See us today at Greg Tillys in Bossier City. It's time for the Morning Drive's weekly visit with the sports medicine doctors at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic. Time to get a little smarter, Jake. I know you need all the help you can get. Dr. Saul Graves joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Saul, how you doing this morning, bud? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. We've got a, a number of uh, medical questions I want to uh, pick your brain about, but let's start, of course, you being a former LSU quarterback. Spring game is now in the books. We thought we had a two-man race to beat the Tigers' starting quarterback next year, but now some kid named Justin McMillan is all of a sudden in the middle of the picture, and some believe he is the front-runner to be LSU's starting quarterback from everything uh, you've read about and, of course, people you've talked to, 
How surprised are you, Saul, that we may have a three-man race to be LSU starting quarterback? Well, I guess it's a little bit surprising. You know, I, I, I like what I saw from Justin McMillan. I, you know, we obviously hadn't had a chance to, to see a lot of, of what, he's, what, what he's been able to do because he hadn't played much since he's been at LSU. But I, I liked his leadership. I liked how he carried himself. And, yeah, I think there's some accuracy issues from, from what I saw. You know, I think he missed some, some guys as well. But, but overall, I thought he had a great scrimmage. And, and we talked a little bit about spring games. It's so hard. To, I think it's such a small sample size. And, and the spring games are so basic. And, and we didn't get to see all the scrimmages that took place this year. So I, I don't think it's a complete picture of what's going on at quarterback. I, I think Miles Brennan, out of all of them, maybe has the best, biggest upside as, as far as what he can do throwing the football. And, and I think it was a big disadvantage for Lowell Narcisse because I think his biggest attribute is going to be running the football. And, and, and in that spring game where they couldn't, couldn't tackle the quarterback, you just really couldn't see what he could do. So I definitely think that, that there's, there's a lot of potential with all three of them. And, and uh, I can see why they hadn't made a decision yet because they're going to let it play out. And, and I like that. And I think competition is good. Uh, I do think there's some benefit to, to the team knowing – who the starter is, but I wouldn't get in any hurry at all to, to try to name that guy. I would let it play out through camp and, and maybe even play out through the first two two or three games uh, to get those guys all a chance to, to see what they can do and, and then ultimately let the best guy uh, play it out the rest of the season. Saul, so being a big LSU fan, do you cringe when you hear people talking about six wins or seven wins next year? <laughs> well, it is a little unusual to have that kind of prediction for LSU, at least in the, in the last – 15 years or more uh, but you know it's a tough schedule they've got to play next year I think that's the biggest factor in all of this is, is who they have to play and and you know I liked I liked what I saw from the defense for sure man I think that's gonna that defensive front seven uh, is as good as they've had in a while and they're going to give a lot of teams trouble and I think that's in my opinion when you're going to when you're going to build a team and you've got a strong defensive front that's going to give a lot of teams problems and uh, maybe gives the offense a chance to uh, to get it going at least early on in the season. So, yeah, who knows? I, I think sometimes it's good to have people uh, um, not expect much out of your team. It gives you a chance to maybe surprise some people. So we'll see. You know, again, it's it's a challenging schedule that they have, so I can certainly see where people are coming from when they make those predictions. So one other question, and I know you played a role and were part of uh, when Ed Orgeron came up to northeast Louisiana last spring. They've kind of – Pared down the LSU Caravan or the LSU Tiger Tour. Now I think they just make three stops this year, one in Shreveport, Houston, and New Orleans. That used to be such a huge event here in West Monroe and Monroe. Do you know why that that has kind of been scaled down a little bit with LSU? You know, I really don't. I know at one time the Alumni Association in North Louisiana, the chapter here, was really large. And I think that maybe played a role in, in, in getting those things going. And I don't think that is quite what it used to be here. Um, and maybe that's that's the the factor. Maybe part of it is is um, the coaches, the, the head coach, maybe not wanting to do that. I, I don't know. Um, I know Les Miles didn't do it very often either. So uh, I hate it because I, I you know those I can remember those huge events that we had at the Civic Center, and uh, and, and you know not just the, the football coach coming. You know the basketball coach would come and. The athletic director would come, and it was a huge event, and certainly wish we could bring that back. 
There was an injury, and we love the feedback from listeners. I've got a couple for you at 888-993-7762. Safety Grant Delpit went down in that spring game with a broken collarbone. Uh, typically, how long does that take somebody to recover for? Is this something that can linger for a guy that the LSU was expecting a lot of next year on the defensive side of the ball? I think if, if you had to pick an injury that, that, that would, that's going to require surgery, uh, that's the one you want to have because that's something that can, they can go in and fix the bone and it can heal. In fact, in many cases, if it occurs during the early part of a football season, you can fix the collarbone and, and, and they can come back and play at the end of the season. Um, you saw Aaron Rodgers do that last year uh, for Green Bay. So as far as Grant Delpit's concerned, uh, unless he had just some unusual complication like an infection, uh, it, it's something that, that he's going to be fine. You know, it, it'll it'll hamper his ability to lift weights uh, for a little while, and, and so that's going to that's maybe will will not be ideal in an off season situation. <clears throat> but as far as him getting back in time to play in the fall, there's no question he'll be back and will be just as as, as good as he was prior to injuring it. Uh, that question from Matt. I got another one here from uh, Tom. Wants to know: uh, Do ice baths help after workouts, Doctor Saul Graves? Yeah, I think I think this is more anecdotal because I, I did them a lot when I was playing, and I think they're tremendous as far as recovery. You know, and and especially when you get in a situation like like uh, two days is where we did them most often, and, and your legs get tired. Uh, I think it definitely, in my opinion, after you, after you had one, uh, you just made your, your legs feel fresher, allowed you to come back a, a little bit better and recover a little bit quicker. So I don't know if there's any. Uh, studies out there that have, that have sort of looked at ice baths, but but I think uh, there certainly is some benefit to it, and, and it's why you see just about all uh, uh, teams uh, have, have that available to their players uh, after practices. All right, Saul, uh, with the NFL draft, of course, kicking off on Thursday, if you were part of an NFL medical team, what previous injuries would concern you the most? Because we're hearing you know background information on a lot of different players like uh, Sonny Michel at Georgia, he's got a mild arthritic problem in his knee, and some uh, franchises that scares him a little bit or concerns him. What would scare you the most? Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to start right there. You know, you you you, you, you always want to find out, you know, what type of surgeries people have had. And there's certain things that, that sometimes occur with an injury when you do surgery and you can't restore something back to the way it used to be or the way it normally is. And, and, and let's take an ACL tear as an example. Let's say a kid tears his ACL, but he also tears his meniscus. Um, and let's say that happens in high school maybe. And it's a situation where the meniscus is not repairable and you have to go in and you have to remove the meniscus that's torn instead of repair the meniscus that's torn. Well, that's a situation where that player is at risk for developing significant arthritic changes in their knee. And that's something that that is going to that will never be right. That's that's a knee that's going to always give a player a significant amount of pain, uh, swelling going forward. And, and so that that would be something that would concern me a significant amount. Arthritic changes in, in any joint, but especially uh, a knee, or maybe an ankle, or or even even the back. So, so those those are the kind of things. And and when you talk about the kid from Georgia, of course we don't have. I'm not able to look at his X-rays, but if he does have an arthritic knee. That would scare me some as far as his longevity uh, is concerned uh, and his ability to play for many years because when these guys are drafting a, an NFL player, 
they're making a long-term investment in that player. And, and so if they've got a guy that they think is not going to last but maybe a few years because of some, some um, uh, damage to, to their joints, uh, well, that's something that would be a big red, red flag. And, you know, I think also you, you, you talk about guys who've had multiple injuries. Uh, that would be something that, that's concerning. Um, and, and we've talked about it before. When, when they go through these NFL um, medical exams at the combine or, or if, they, if they talk to their trainers, all those kind of things, I mean, there's no stone left unturned. They're going to find out everything uh, about – uh, about those players, including maybe in, in many cases getting multiple MRIs of, of different body parts. Uh, and then finally, a player that may never get back to the way he was, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. He's landed a new team. He's with the Jets. He's still trying to recover from that knee injury back in 2016. In fact, when he was introduced to the media and the fans up there, he said he didn't want to discuss his injury, wanted to first consult the team doctors. And, of course, his coach now is saying that uh, Bridgewater continues to progress. Does that just kind of hammer home how big of an injury and how horrific of an injury this was for Bridgewater two years ago? Yeah, and of course he had a had a knee dislocation, which is as devastating an injury as you can have to your knee. And fortunately for him, he didn't have any nerve damage um, or any artery damage or, or blood vessel damage, which. You know, we, we've seen uh, the Evans, of course, in the Saints game last year, I believe it was a tight end, maybe for Detroit, that dislocated his knee and had significant um, da- um, uh, damage to the, to the artery in his, in his knee. Uh, so fortunately for Bridgewater, that didn't occur, but he apparently had multiple ligament injuries. The only one they've named is the ACL, but it seems like it was more than that. And, and of course, that was in, in the fall of 2016, so he missed – all the 2016 season and just about all the 2017 season. I think he was able to play briefly, maybe in one game towards the end of the season last year. But you know, that's that's something that has ended a lot of guys' careers and, and shortened certainly made some some very good running backs who've had knee dislocations um, maybe just be average uh, after that. And, and so just the fact he's back playing, I think, is is a pretty good uh, testament to. To how hard he's worked, but again, it's probably a knee that's never going to be uh, the same as it was prior to the injury. Saul, great stuff. If uh, listeners out there need your assistance or your colleagues, where can they find y'all? We've got our three locations, our main office on Louisville Avenue and, and our satellite locations in West Monroe and, and also in, um, in Ruston as well. And we have our daily injury clinics uh, each morning and also after-hours clinics uh, both of those take place uh, at the uh, Monroe office, and after hours clinic is also available on Saturday mornings in the Monroe office as well. Good stuff, Saul. Appreciate the time, bud. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Got through that segment, not even one Andrew Luck question. So there you go. Wow. We're making record. progress. That yeah. is a record. Got a couple texts here. Quint says, suggestion for next Thursday, top 10. Top 10 players from the first round of the NBA playoffs. Sherman says, you guys should think about doing an MLB update on local players. People must really like our Astros update. They want more of it. That's what I took from that. No, they just wanted us to change it up. They're not fans of it. I don't know how many local players we actually have, to tell you the truth, too. Yeah, I don't know. I have to do some research on that. Yeah. Making us do more work. Yeah, you're doing so well in the Astros update. Now that you'd have to dig and try to find the local players and their stats every night. I don't know, man. I still think the Astros update's our strongest segment. I think we're going to try to spice it up here in the next week or so. Yeah? Yeah. Okay.
888-993-7762. Hit us up on the, the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line. Open segment coming up. Then at 8 o'clock, Michael Federico from ULM joins us for his weekly visit. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. Lots, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. I am Jessica Ledoux, member and employee for Washita Valley Federal Credit Union. Becoming a member of Washita Valley is much easier today. Memberships are now open to anyone who lives, works, worships, attends school, or owns a business in any of our seven parishes that we serve. Our goal is to offer you personal banking and to make sure you're getting the best rates possible. Washita Valley currently serves Caldwell, Franklin, Jackson, Lincoln, Morehouse, Washita, and Richland Parishes. We know you have a choice when it comes to your finances, and to us, you're not just a member. So if you live, work, worship, attend school, or own a business in Caldwell, Franklin, Jackson, Lincoln, Morehouse, Washita, or Richland Parish, let Washita Valley provide you with excellent service and secure financial well-being. Membership eligibility required. Member NCUA. Let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. You got some uh, NFL news and notes and things uh Related to the draft, I take it. Haven't I given you that every day? Yeah, you have. I've just been in heaven this week. Uh-huh. This is a big week for uh, me. All right. For a lot of people out there, I Are you going to cook something or uh, put something on the grill for Thursday? And how's this going to work out? Are you just ordering a pizza? Usually, I go to someone else's house and I just bring mooch something. Shot. Yeah, mooch. But um, anyway, I, Ross Dellinger did a great story about how LSU has had this lingering problem of having too many guys leave early, and he put some statistics with it. And we think about it every year, but then when you start looking at the cold, hard facts and the numbers and the statistics, wow, it's pretty staggering the losses that LSU have had, especially when he put it in comparison to other big-name programs. Exactly. So I'll go ahead and give you these numbers, and then we can kind of get into this conversation. So since 2013, LSU leads the nation by far 
and underclassmen who declare for the NFL draft. So including the six that declared this year, LSU has 32. Mm. Florida State is second with 24, mm. and then Florida with 23, and then Bama and Clemson and Ohio State with 20. So that's 12 more than those three teams that are always competing for national championships. And this is literally just from 2013. Just from 2013, they've had 32 guys live early. Now, of those 32, and I get, well, I'll say, that, we'll say of the 26, because you can't do the six that have declared this year. So of those 26, six have been selected as uh, first-round picks. So they make good decisions. Ten were in the second to third round. Mm -hmm. Six were in the fourth to seventh. And then four were undrafted. Mm. And so, you know, in reading this story, it's a very good story. I encourage you to go read it. Baton Rouge Advocate has it. Um, in this story, he talks to, you know, guys like Mike Dettelier and uh, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report and kind of asks, like, wh why why is this? Why, why does LSU struggle with this? He also talks to some former players about it. I think he talked to Ethan Posick. One thing that uh, they said was it's a culture thing because when guys get there, there are, the, the first thing they say is, I'm just putting in three years and then I'm out. So they're, they're thinking about NFL first. Like They're thinking, I've just got to put my three years in, and then I'm going to go make my money. Mm -hmm. Matt Miller also says that it's a, it's a growing trend, and that those numbers are backed up as well if you look at overall the, the underclassmen that are in this draft from all schools. It's, it tends to grow every year. And Matt Miller even said that some guys won't even look at their grades. Like They're not even putting in to see what their grades are. They, they don't care. They're just saying, I'm just going to go take this leap. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to get out of college. I'm ready to go and be a professional athlete and get paid for what I do. So uh, the question is, though, that's that's overall, that's, that's a I guess, a generational thing. Why does LSU specifically struggle with this? Is it because they've underachieved? Is it because they get the athletes that, you know, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State do, but – they're not in the national championship conversation every year like those teams. All right, you mentioned the 32. You still have the, the statistics pulled up there. Where, where was Alabama in relation to LSU? Alabama was 20. 20. So they've lost 20 since 2013. Correct. So if you tackle this problem, if you're Ed Orgeron, you look at this situation, first of all, you gotta. It's it's a major selling point. It's great for recruiting, right? You go out there and you say, hey, literally, we Let's got... Let's use that. Too. Yes. Okay. So then behind closed doors, you're like, all right, this is fantastic. And obviously, uh, this program continues to, to bring in just some incredible athletes who have continued to develop. And the fact that you can sell, you've had six first-rounders since 2013. But how do you use the persuasion to keep the guys, the ones that you talked about, the six that go from uh, four through seven rounds and the four guys that didn't get drafted... How do you get them to stick around, and what is your selling point to make sure they're not bolting early? That's the problem, and, you know, I think we just hit on what I think the problem was. I think it was less. I think less used this to his benefit in getting those recruits there. He always preached that, and he even talked openly about there's a mindset that we play freshmen early because we're only going to get three years out of them anyway. And so I think that was a less thing. And now people are asking, should LSU stop promoting hashtag NFL LSU so much? 
Should they stop? To That's try one of to your biggest selling culture? points. Why would you turn on that? I don't agree with it, but I'm saying this is a question that some people are asking to see if that can limit the early departures. But I think this is something you're always going to deal with. I think what you got to be selling, especially you look at next year's uh, class and uh, guys that could certainly come out, Richard, uh, Greedy. I mean, you need to be selling the fact, uh, yes, you can go to the NFL, or do you want to stick around and make something special? And, of course, sell the part about leaving a lasting legacy and being one of those guys that, of course, guided LSU to a Final Four appearance, semifinal appearance, or a national championship. And I know that's a hard sell. It's such a hard somebody, sell. And especially if, if Rashard does what we think he's going to do uh, this year's junior year, I mean, he's going to be projected it's, as a first round. Listen, it takes a rare guy like Rashard to yeah. come back for those reasons. Because Rashard has talked openly about his love for Louisiana, mm-hmm. about his love for LSU, wanting to bring LSU back into the forefront of the conversation. So it wouldn't surprise me if a character like Rashard came back and, and did something like that. But, again, you're talking about a rare individual. Most of these kids, and some of them are out of state even, most of these kids, money money speaks way way more than just, hey, why don't you come back and do this for the state? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you got to look at it realistically. It, are you going to turn down? And I'm talking about the guys that are being projected from one through three in the first round. Some of these guys, like, you know, some of these – offensive linemen as of late who just take the jump and mm. end up in the sixth round or don't even get drafted and you're just going, why? Why did you take that risk? I, I don't understand those. I talk about, of course, preaching the team unity thing, and I think the bigger alarms out there, the red flags for LSU football, is what has happened in the last two bowl games. And I understand Leonard Fournette and the issues and where he was in the draft. But for him – Take to, him out okay, of Okay, I'm, I'm – but this is an example because then it led to Arden Key. Leonard Fournette doesn't even go to the Too bowl game. Doesn't different. even go on the sidelines and is not even at the bowl game to support his team. And then, of course, the situation we saw last year with Arden Key, he's nowhere to be found either. Those are two completely different scenarios, though, Aaron. But they're two leaders on your team, and you're building this whole thing about, hey, it's about team, it's about LSU football. But when it comes to a bowl game and, of course, an opportunity to showcase your program on a national stage, and I understand Fournette banged up, still can't get an airline ticket, can't get a pass to be on the sidelines. Heck, we see Odell Beckham every spring hanging out at LSU. Should Leonard have been there? Yes, I agree with that. But there's no reason for him to have played in that game. I, that's what I said. I know. I, I'm just saying, like, and I Arden think it's Key, unfair. At that point, we don't even know if he Arden might, Key, uh, cancer the whole the season, Arden Key was a mystery. The whole season, Arden Key was a, go, a shell of himself. Okay, so I, I don't think those two situations are comparable. Now, there is a problem with that, I agree, but I just don't think it's fair to include Leonard Fournette into that discussion because you saw he tried to play against Florida, and he hurt the team by playing. He took carries away from Darius Geis when he wasn't fully healthy, and he could not help his team. Uh, Texter, do you think uh, any of them leaving early has the risk of injury and not getting drafted at all if they play the fourth year? Yes, obviously. And yes. Especially if you're a running back and you get an opportunity. And, but you, know, you can take both. the – okay, running backs should definitely go. But if you're another player, you can still take that insurance policy and still get – you know, you're, you're still going to lose millions if you get hurt, but at least you get some of that money. Mm-hmm. Staggering stack, though. It 32. is. Especially put that in comparison with the other heavyweights in college football. Exactly. It's the heavyweights. If it was compared to, you know, mid-majors, that's one thing. But it's compared to the Florida States and Alabamas and Clemsons. 
We need to get Ross Dellinger on the show soon. That would be great. He he does a fantastic job. 888-993-7762, the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line. Coming up next, our weekly visit with Michael Federico, ULM's head baseball coach. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.